Welcome home. I'm John Hernandez, and you have tuned in to the CFA Church Podcast. If you have any questions about CFA Church, feel free to visit us at cfachurch.com. We pray that you would walk away from this moment loving Jesus and changing the world. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome uh, everybody watching at all of our locations and if you'll turn to the book of Nehemiah, turn to the book of Nehemiah. This ended up being kind of an accidental mini-series. I did not mean to preach two messages out of the book of Nehemiah. I thought I was just going to preach one, but... but uh, God had other plans. I started, I started digging in, and I said, I need a, I, it was kind of like me at 10 o'clock at night with ice cream. I said, I need a second helping, is what I said when I got into the book of Nehemiah. I was like, this is too, too good. I'm going to go in, and I'm going to get me some more of that. And um, uh, I, again, I didn't, I didn't plan this, but as God would providentially have it, uh, I think it's going to be a good bridge series just leading into what the Lord would say to us in this next season. Next week, I'm going to start a message uh, series out of the book of Romans and Romans chapter 12, where it says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. How many of you know there's a pattern of this world and there's a lot of people that would love for you to conform to it. And it says, the Bible says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And this is your declaration. This will be your declaration over the next four weeks that you are done managing your emotions. You're going to have a renewed mind. You are going to have a transformed mind. And God is going to, by the power of his Holy Spirit over these next four weeks, rewire the neurocircuitry of your mind so that you can go from, uh, uh, from doubt to faith. You can go from depression to joy. You, and we're going to dive in and God, by his word, is going to show you that. And this is going to be a kind of a bridge message leading up to that. Because how many of you know the enemy, uh, the enemy does a, a few things well. And one of the things that he does well is he will plant what I call these fear bombs in our minds, right? Like he'll plant these fear bombs and that's all he needs to do is just plant. And then he's on to the next thing because then what I know about me is I'll take that what he planted and I will run a million different directions of, of this what if game. And like it's, it's different during different stages of your life. Remember new, new parents are, or do you remember this when you were a parent for the first time? You checked on that baby like 28 times a night just to make sure that he or she was still breathing. And, and, or, or parents when your kid turns 16, now you're, now you're worried that they're, you know, they're out and, and are they going to be safe on the roads? Or, or just you know, fears like, like, am I going to have enough money this month to pay all the bills? Fears like, am I going to uh, get into the right college? And then if you get into college, fear that you're not going to pass the classes. And then you get out of college and fear that you will never pay off your school loans ever. And, and like all of, all of these different fears and, and somebody's got a doctor's report that's coming back this week and the what if game that your, your mind will play. And what, the, what I know is that the enemy will plant these bombs. And today we, here's what we're going to do. We we are going to diffuse these bombs of fear, and there are multiple people here today that you are going to walk out of this place free of fear. You're going to walk out free of fear because what our default mode sometimes is we become what I call shaggy and scooby Christians. And shaggy and scooby, scooby Christians, as soon as uh, Mr. Smithers from the carnival, puts on his little swamp uh, uh, man mask, and he jumps in front of you with his fear bomb. Shaggy and Scooby say zoiks, and they turn and run the other way. 
And unfortunately, we got too many Shaggy and Scooby Christians, and that's their default mode. And as soon as the enemy drops a, you know, he'll plant these fear bomb, fear bomb, fear bomb, and it zoiks and I'll run the other way. Or here's the other thing. Here's the other thing that we do. Um, if we don't run, we'll avoid. We'll avoid. I just, I don't want to deal with the fear. And so I'll try to fill my mind with lots of other stuff so I don't have to. No, listen, here's what you're going to do. You are going to face your fear today. You're going to face it. You're going to face it head on. You're going to defuse it. I was reading an article this week. Um, I was talking about like there are, there are still dozens, if not hundreds of bombs that haven't, that haven't been detonated underneath Germany. So World War II, they buried, they buried all these bombs and they're finding them. Like the, several years ago, the Rhine River uh, lowered and here was a thousand pound bomb that just came to the surface. Thousand pounds just ready to detonate, riding down, riding down the Rhine River. Um, they had to, they, several years ago too, they found a 500 pound bomb buried beneath these buildings and they had to evacuate. They evacuated two hospitals. They evacuated 10,000 people, got them out of the city. Because here's the, here's the thing, over time, bombs don't lose their potency, it gains. And if you don't deal with the thing in your life that you think is buried, it will come back and it'll come back worse. It's time. You're not going to run anymore. You're not going to avoid this thing anymore. We're going to deal with this. In fact, I would say if you're not a note taker, would you take notes this morning? Grab your note sheet, and I want you to write the thing that the enemy's trying to put in your mind. Write that. What is your top fear? What are you dealing with? And let's not just uh, talk about this in theory. Let's diffuse that thing. And so what I want to do is I want to anoint you with the MacGyver spirit today. Like, you are going to be, come on, how many MacGyver fans? Like, the original 1985 Richard Dean Anderson diffuse a bomb with a paper clip and, and, a, and a key fob. Like, whatever, a piece of chewing gum and, and, and a nail. And MacGyver's going to save the world. And then they, they remade that a couple of years ago. Like, in 2016, there was another. Did anybody watch it? Yeah, no, I mean, is it okay? Like, I'm getting some, okay, some thumbs down for this. And then uh, maybe you were an SNL fan, and, and your introduction was MacGruber. And, and, so, and, then, and then there's some of you that are like, Pastor, what are you talking about? It's okay, we'll just go to the Bible. We'll go to the Bible. And this is a good time to go to Nehemiah. But, but I'm going to, in front of you, I'm going to diffuse a bomb on stage and just walk you through biblically how to do this. Now, now I know it would be, <laughs> it would be silly to have a real bomb on stage in Concord and for your pastor to diffuse that thing. So, of course, this is not a real bomb. The real bomb is in Davidson. And Pastor Zach, a team, has uh, carefully placed that under. It, there's a timer, and it's 30 minutes, and it's going down right now. And I just have to say, for those of you watching online, before you call 911, I'm just kidding. Okay, it's just, like, just kidding. Also, let me just say this for the FBI publicly, so I will have record. On my laptop computer is a Google search for how to defuse a bomb. And the only reason I did that is for a sermon illustration. So there you go. If your pastor, if the FBI comes in the back, you're witnesses. Don't you run. 
Don't you ignore it. You help out your pastor. All right. So we're going we're gonna to diffuse some fear bombs. Nehemiah chapter 6. This is, remember, last week you had all of the negativity, all of the intimidation, all of the gossip. Nehemiah is up on the wall, and he looks down, and he says to Sanballat and Tobiah and to Geshem, he looks down, and he says, ain't coming down, ain't coming down. Remember, this is not about avoiding people. This is about that you are not going to come down to a mindset of gossip. You're not going to come down to a mindset of being intimidated. You are not going to come down. You can rise above. You are going to rise above. You're going to speak above. You're going to, you're going to think above and you're going to live above. That was Nehemiah's declaration, ain't coming down. But when he was up, when he was up, what's We'll find out where this story goes later. Later, I went to visit Shemaiah, the son of Deleah, the son of Mahetabel, who was confined to his home. And he said, Shemaiah said, hey, let's meet together inside the temple of God and bolt the doors shut. Your enemies are coming to kill you tonight. The bomb of fear has been placed. Verse 11, but I replied, should someone in my position run from danger. So last week, if Nehemiah said to Geshem and Sanballat and Tobiah, ain't coming down, now he turns to Shemaiah and says, ain't going to run. Done running. Done avoiding. Ain't going to run. And so then it continues in verse uh, 11b, should someone in my position enter the temple to save his life? No, I'm not going to do it. I realized that God had not spoken to him, but that he had uttered this prophecy against me because Sanballat and Tobiah had hired him. They were hoping to intimidate me and make me sin, and they would be able to accuse me and discredit me. So we're going to dismantle this bomb of fear in our minds. And let me give you five questions, five wires that will need to be cut in your mind. And once those wires are cut, watch how free you can live. Here's the first wire that needs to be cut. Is the person who is telling you something in your life, that is producing fear, are they confined themselves? In other words, consider the source. Consider the source. Did you notice what it said about Shemaiah? It said Shemaiah was confined. And here's what I know, that people will always try to talk you down to their level of captivity. If somebody is saying something to you in your life that is causing you fear, here's what you got to do. You got to look at them and say, are you living free? Are you living joyfully? Are you living peacefully? And if they're not, just don't receive what they're telling you. I love what Dave Ramsey says. He says, like, if you want to be skinny, ask a skinny person. If you want to be rich, ask a rich person. If you want to be married a long time, ask somebody that's been married a long time. How many of you uh, have been married for 40 years or more? Wave at us. We got a few. Come on, somebody. Somebody celebrate these heroes. I love we were talking before service of like, um, this is like newlywed season around CFA. And we got these like just rock star power couples that are uh, uh, getting married. We're so excited. But like, if you want to be married for 50 years, probably don't pull up the online article from People Magazine. And like, they're, 
their five tips of how to be married more than five minutes. Like if you want to be married a long time, find a, find a, a, a rock star couple that has been at this, right? And you ask them. So if you want to live without fear in your life, stop listening to the voices. You don't always have control about what you hear, but you do have control about what you let in, what you let in. Not every UPS package that's delivered to your doorstep do you have to sign for. You can say, I don't receive that. I don't, I, I, I'm not going to do that. And so, and so once you realize that, what happens is you, you, how many of you are a little bit nervous even though, like you know, like you know this is fake, but you also know that we tend to do things around here that are a little surprising. And so like maybe we hid some pyrotechnics you know, just may, maybe your pastor is warning you that when I cut this wire, there will be a little explode. I mean, just for effect, like may, maybe in the auditorium as we, oh my goodness, seriously. There's a reason why I'm a pastor and not a on the bomb squad for the FBI. So we're just going to, there we go. We didn't do any pyrotechnics. So don't worry about that. But we, we're going we're gonna to diffuse that. And then the second thing then is, okay, okay, Shemaiah, who's really behind this? Who's really behind this? Now we have to ask ourselves, who is this, who is this Shemaiah dude? So let's compare Shemaiah to Sanballat and Geshem and Tobiah. They were obviously voices from the enemy, right? Like, so Nehemiah's response to them ain't coming down. I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to have this conversation. We're not even, we're not even having this conversation. That is an appropriate response sometimes. We're not having this conversation. But then, but then watch, watch Shemaiah. So we don't know everything about Shemaiah, but here's what we know. We know that he was working on the wall alongside Nehemiah. So apparently he was one of the top leaders in Israel. He was in ministry working for the rebuilding of the wall alongside Nehemiah. Uh, Nehemiah knew his daddy and his granddaddy. So apparently it was a family friend. And Nehemiah ends up going over to his home. So apparently Nehemiah has some sort of relationship, a good relationship as far as we know, with Shemaiah. But, but Nehemiah realizes, and he says, I realize that God had not spoken to him, but that he had uttered this prophecy against me because Sanballat and Tobiah had hired him. Can I just tell you that one of the most effective tools of the enemy is good people clothed in religious language? So if somebody comes up to you and they're trying to get you into a financial deal and they just got out of, of four life sentences in prison and maybe they got off for good behavior or whatever, but like uh, money laundering times four and they walk up to you and they're cussing up a storm and say, oh, by the way, you want to enter into a business deal with me? You're probably not going into a business because, because that person, well, their character hasn't proven themselves right and the language that you're using. But how many of you know the enemy is not that blunt a lot of times. So he will use, watch this, the, the voice of fear, the avenue that fear gets into your mind, a lot of times is a good person clothed in religious language. And that's why you say, that sounds tricky. Yes, but the Holy Spirit gives you discernment. He gives you, he gives you discernment. We were talking about, um, before service, we were talking about like uh, leaving foods out and like what, what foods go into the refrigerator and what foods need to be, you know, and I'm just not a, this is probably bad, I'm just not a big refrigerator fan. 
Like I have a refrigerator, I use a refrigerator for some things, but I think once food, sometimes when food gets cold, like some of the flavor goes away. So if we have pizza, I'll leave the pizza out and then I'll eat the pizza. You don't do that. You're looking at me like, Pastor, how are you not sick right now? Like, I don't know. I just like, but they say, here's what, here's what they say, the experts say. They say the best test is the, is the sniff test. Like if food smells bad, don't eat it. But if it, smell, if it doesn't smell bad, go ahead and eat it. Let me give another disclaimer. I'm not a doctor. This is not medical advice. Take my spiritual advice most of the time. Take my medical advice almost none of the time. But anyways, like just like sometimes, sometimes. So if somebody comes to you and says something and they're a good person and, it's and even if it's clothed in religious language and if you're like... Man, that just doesn't smell right. Like that just, you've got to learn to trust your spiritual sniffer. Like be Toucan Sam, follow your nose. It always knows. Like, it, like just go, go with your gut feeling on that. So who is really behind this? And when we, when we realize that the enemy hijacks good people and that doesn't make the person bad, that makes the enemy bad and sneaky for trying to do that. And so once we realize, once we realize who is behind the fear, we begin to cut another wire and we diffuse this. Now, Number three, ask yourself this, is the enemy trying to get me to hide in church? So then he said, let us meet together inside the temple of God and bolt the door shut. In other words, he's like, hey, come into, come into church, but just hide in church. Do you know that one of the places that the enemy can get people to hide from greatness and hide from their calling in life is in church? Here's the tricky thing. The enemy will do a couple of things. First thing he'll do is he'll do everything in the world to keep you out of church. But then once you get in church, he wants you to hide in church. And there is in this room right now and, and watching at our other locations and watching online, do you know how much untapped potential is in here that hasn't been released because people hide in church? Here's, here's what I mean. So you come in and you say, well, I'm in church, but I could never get involved in a tribe because I'm, I just have too much going on or, or I'm not outgoing enough or, or whatever, the, whatever the reasons, whatever the fear bombs. Or, or, man, I'd love to get involved in ministry, but I'm not, that's a better singer than I am. Or he can play the drums or, 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 or they, could, they can minister to kids better than I can or they can be involved in the Dream Center. I could never do that. And do you see how, how the enemy, if you're in church, then the enemy wants you to just hide in church. He wants you to hide your anointing, your gifting, and your calling. And I just want to call out greatness in you. And I want to call out the anointing. And I want to say, hey, don't hide any longer. You say, well, how do I not hide? This is a large church. And it's how, how do I get involved? How do I find out? Growth track, growth track, growth track, growth track. Every middle service, the 10 o'clock service here at Concord, it's different for our other locations. What's your bulletin and, and announcements? But here, here in Concord, here in Concord, 10 o'clock, Pastor Steve, Pastor Brandy, four weeks, we walk people through this process. And it will begin to unleash the gift and the calling in you so that you can be a world changer. And so again, when the enemy's talking to you, well, go ahead and go to church, but don't get involved. Don't get, don't get too involved in that. What we do is we, we cut that and we begin to diffuse the bombs of fear that the enemy will put. Number four, number four. This is, this is gonna be worth the price of admission today. Have you ever had a thought 
and wondered if, uh, how, let me say it this way. Have you ever had a thought or a dream or a word or something, a feeling, and, ha- and then had the subsequent thought, is this God or is this me? Or is this God or is this the enemy? Um, so, so number four is what I'm feeling, a warning from God or fear from the enemy. I, I've want, like if you have, so, so let's go to Nehemiah. Uh, the book of Nehemiah says, your enemies are coming to kill you tonight. Like that's a big, that's a big one, right? This is not, okay, uh, let's, call, let's call 10 days of prayer and fasting. And at the end of those 10 days of prayer and fast, no, your enemy is coming to kill you tonight. If that is true, that needs action. And so we have to be able to make decisions sometimes. Sometimes you got to make decisions quickly based on this information. So, ah, man, if that's like, if that's a warning from God, I need to get out of town. If that's fear from the enemy, that's a whole different thing. So let me teach you, let me teach you how to discern this. This is Matthew 1 and Matthew chapter 2, two dreams, same individual, Joseph, the husband of Mary, the mother and the stepfather, the earthly father of Jesus. So, so Joseph has two dreams. Here's the first dream in Matthew chapter 1. It says, as he considered this, what's this? Mary, his, his uh, fiance, had just come to him and said, I am with child by the Holy Spirit. So as he was considering all of this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid. Fear not. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. So here's Joseph. Uh, Mr. Smithers puts on the swamp mask, jumps in front of him. He has these feelings of terror. And, and, and the spirit of Scooby-Doo rises up within him. And he is ready to turn and run from Mary. I'm going to run from this whole situation. I'm going to run. And what does God say? Joseph, your feelings of fear are not accurate. He says, fear not, fear not. Now watch this. What was on the other side of Joseph's fear? It was the greatest blessing of his life, wasn't it? It was a great, he got to be the earthly father of Jesus. Are you kidding me? So if you're feeling fear, if you're feeling worry, if you're feeling anxiety on the other side of that is not the the thing that you're afraid of. On the other side of that is the enemy trying to scare you away from your greatest blessing. But, But pastor, doesn't God warn people through dreams? Yes, he does. Watch the difference though in Matthew chapter two, same person, Joseph, Joseph and Mary. Here's the scenario. Herod is killing every Hebrew uh, male child two years old or younger because he was jealous and he didn't want somebody else to become the king. So he was killing. So reason, as a parent, legitimate reason to fear, right? Uh, Matthew chapter two. So Mary and Joseph have a, have, have a dream. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Now, here's the difference. Does it mention anything about either Joseph or Mary feeling fear? You see the difference? If you feel fear, press on. It's an attack from the enemy and your blessing is on the other side. If it's a warning from God, you will have a calm spirit and you will just say, I get that. I'm not going to go that way. I'm going to go another way. Does that make sense? 
Does that make sense? I saw, the, I saw this play out wonderfully not too long ago. Good friends of ours had a dream. The dream could have inspired fear, but it didn't. And they just very matter of fact, very matter of factly, I'm not saying it was an easy decision, but they processed it and acted on it without fear. And they just said, we felt like that was a warning from God. We're not afraid. We don't feel fear, but we're just going to make a decision based on that. If you feel fear, press on. If you don't feel fear, take that as a sign from God. And I think that will help you navigate through that. Here's the final thing based on, oh, so that one, that wire to me, that's like, that's like the ultimate movie. Um, you know, he comes down to the, the red wire. Do I cut the red wire or the white wire? Like, which one do I cut? Like, it's it got everything else done. And what we got to do with those is you just cut them both at the same time. And so we're down this lot, to this last one, this last wire. Number five, on the heels of that, what blessing is the enemy trying to keep me from? What blessing is trying? So look beyond, look beyond the fear to the blessing. Look beyond the fear to the blessing. What if... What if Nehemiah had backed down? Well, the wall would have never gotten rebuilt. What if, what if Moses would have given in to fear? You would have had a million Israelites maybe perish between the Red Sea and Pharaoh and his chariots that were chasing after him. What if, what if David had given in to fear? Goliath would have been on the throne and the Philistines would have overtaken and he never would have stepped into his destiny. What if Daniel had given into fear? You would have had a Babylon culture that would have completely overtaken probably the people of God at that time. What if Jesus, what if Jesus had given into fear and kept him on of the cross, kept him off of the cross and, and, and kept our salvation from us? What if the apostle Paul had given in to fear and not brought the gospel to the Gentiles, which includes most of us within the sound of my voice? And, and, and what, what, if, what if you give in to your fear? Might you miss out on the greatest blessing, the greatest calling, the great, don't be afraid of greatness. Don't be afraid of blessing. Don't be afraid of being used by God. Don't be afraid of having your mind transformed. Don't be afraid of what's on the other side of that. And here's what happens. Here's what happens because somebody's going to get free this morning. Somebody's going to walk out of here different this morning. <clears throat> and when you cut that final wire, you say, well, pastor, that was, that was kind of anticlimactic. Nothing happened. Exactly. Exactly. Because when you diffuse the fear, see, if, you're, if, if all, the, all the wires, too many, too many Christians are walking around and all their wires are intact and I'm, run, I'm running from this, or, or I'm, ignoring, I'm ignoring this, but what we're actually doing is we're burying it and, and the, power of that, the power of that fear is coming up. And, and, and somebody told me recently about a podcast they were listening to. It was a tech podcast and the two guys were going back and forth and this was the accusation of the one guy. So I don't know if it was a true accusation, but his accusation was that in some of these areas that uh, uh, writers, journalists used to write using sources and facts, but now he said some journalists would just write the story and hope the sources would come. 
And, and that's what the enemy is doing with these bombs of fear. It's not based on facts. He's just writing the story with the hopes that you'll agree with what he's writing. And, and so, so we have too many Christians that are walking around, they're carrying, man, when's this thing going to go off? When's this thing? I know, I know my last five doctor's reports have been, have been good, but when's this thing going to go off? And I, I know God's always protected my children, but when, when's this thing going to go off? And we're walking around with this. Watch this. You can, you can walk around like this. You can walk around with the fear diffused. And it seems anticlimactic because it should be. Because there's nothing there. There's nothing there. Fear, Pastor Phil used to teach fear, the acronym fear, false evidence appearing real. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you're here within the sound of my voice and you would say, Pastor, I need to have some fear. I've been walking around, my wires and tag, nervous, wondering what if, what if my mind's playing this game and I just wanna cut those wires. I want the fear, the anxiety, the worry gone in the name of Jesus. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand right now? Yeah, absolutely. Father in the spirit, we just ask that those wires would be cut off in the name of Jesus. Cut off in the name of Jesus and I just pray for peace, the peace that passes all understanding. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And, and, and I, know, I know we already did this, but I just feel, I feel led to cast the net one more time. I, I just feel like there may be somebody who still is waiting, who still hasn't responded to that call of salvation. And God's waiting for you. He's waiting for you. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that one more time. I'm just gonna count to three and you say, Pastor, I just, I've been holding out. I've been fearful. Fear has kept me from responding and I've been hiding in church, but I'm not gonna hide any longer. I'm not gonna let this fear keep me down any longer. So with heads bowed, eyes closed, one, two, three. If that's you, just put up your hand and I'll, I'll just wait. And if I don't see one, I gotcha, I gotcha, I gotcha, I gotcha, I gotcha. Three, anybody else, anybody else, four, Anybody else? Pastor, I've been hiding in church. I want to make sure that I've got a relationship with Jesus. Five, anybody else? Anybody else? Pastor, I don't want to hide anymore. I want to make sure that I got, got right between, everything right between me and God. Church family, let's pray together again. Come on, let's all pray this prayer. Say, dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, but I come before you believing you died on the cross. Having canceled my sin, I ask forgiveness and I ask that you come into my heart and come into my life so that I can live wide awake to the love of God and fully alive to my purpose. In Jesus' name. Come on one more time. Somebody celebrate in the house. Thank you so much for joining us. Here at CFA Church, it is our deepest hope that you have found the place that you can call home. For more information about this community or to find out how you can connect, simply head over to cfachurch.com where you can plan a visit right from the website. It is our prayer that you will continue to love Jesus and change the world. God bless you.